Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. I'm Dave McBride, broadcasting from the Radio Harambe studios. Um, due to this, you know, craziness going on in the world right now, Safari Mike is actually on the other side of the continent, and he's going to be there for quite some time. Uh, so we're doing our best to sort of provide you as much con- content, uh, Animal Kingdom content, as we possibly can, especially with... Um, you know, the parks being closed and so many people losing their trips and all that kind of stuff. We thought maybe if we produce a lot of content here, it'll give you a way to just sort of, you know, <laughs> put your mind into a Disney space for just a second, an Animal Kingdom space, even just for a few minutes. So with that in mind, today we're going to uh, offer you up another guided tour from Safari Mike of Disney's Animal Kingdom. This one's going to be of Dino Land. Uh, so and this was recorded a few months ago. Uh, back when the <laughs> parks were still open. So, uh, it, you know, I don't think that that really matters here. But the hope here is that the next time you do get into Dino Land, you can stick this one on your phone or your iPod and get your headphones in and walk around and listen to Mike's sort of point out, Mike sort of point out the details and, and give you a, a nice sort of tour of the area. Before I do that, um, before we throw it over to Mike, I just want to mention something else. Uh, we have, I want to mention a couple things. First of all, we have um, a t-shirt shop. You can find the link in your show notes. Uh, it's on TeePublic. You can find the link in uh, on our Instagram page at Disney's Animal Kingdom. You can find it at both of our Twitter pages. Uh, mine is at Radio Harambe. Safari Mike's is at Jumbo Everyone. Um, you can also message me on Facebook. I can send you the link. Uh, we're selling some great designs here, all done by our friend Christina uh, at Raising Las Vegas on, on Twitter. All the money we make from this is being donated to conservation. And right now we're donating it to, um, I think it's the World Wildlife Fund that is uh, collecting money to help restore the natural habitats and the species that were lost in the incredible brush fires in Australia. And so far we've managed to make some nice uh, contributions here. And I thank you all. Anyone who's bought that, bought a t-shirt, all the profit we made has gone straight to them. Now, The other thing I want to mention is you might be hearing advertisements for the first time ever, or at least the first time in a long time, on the Radio Harambe podcast. And I just wanted to mention this because for a long, long time, I've sort of taken the uh, stance that I, and this is true, that I didn't want advertising on the show because for most Disney podcasts, advertising meant the advertising uh, directly coming from a Disney travel agent or something to that effect. Uh, and and I felt that having the, those kind of things, having Disney do it, you know, have the advertisements or even somebody who who profits off of people buying, you know, trips to Disney might impugn our our reputation a bit by making it sound like we're doing our best to make Disney's Animal Kingdom sound like the greatest thing in the world. 
and not be honest about it so that you would go and use this travel agent and then we would make money. But now in the podcast world, there are advertising executives and there are advertising agencies. And that is what we're involved with now. So I do not even know what the ads are that you're going to hear before we throw it over to Safari Mike, if there happens to be one. I don't know from time to time if there even is an ad. But what I do know is that uh, one of the things Mike and I, Safari Mike and I decided earlier in the year is that if we couldn't start offsetting the cost of this show, because there are costs involved in making a podcast, if we didn't start offsetting the costs, we didn't know how many more years or how much more we would be able to do this. We needed to, you know, make this free for us and maybe even make ourselves a little money in return. Now, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, but every little bit counts. So I just wanted to thank you all for listening to us all these years, uh, commercial free. And I promise you, we're not going to have too many commercials on this. Uh, at least I'll try to, to, to keep that down. But do understand that without them, I'm not really sure how much longer we would have been able to continue here. Uh, so we're really happy. We're really proud that somebody has decided to advertise on our show. And we hope you listen to those uh, and understand that they are supporting us. So with that in mind, after this little break, we're going to go over to Dinoland and hear from Safari Mike. tour for you. Here we are going to start off as you uh, go under the uh, Olden Gate Bridge, uh, which is what the dinosaur bridge is for the boneyard. We are going to enter into the boneyard and this is the old-fashioned fossil dig site. We are in Diggs County, uh, somewhere in the southwest of the United States, on Route 498. 498, of course, is significant in that uh, it is April of 1998 that this park uh, and this land in particular opened up. The Boneyard is where fossils were first discovered in 1947. This area was supposed to be an old hunting lodge, um, which is what Restaurantosaurus is, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But some uh, paleontologists were uh, resting at the hunting lodge when they discovered fossils, and that is in the Boneyard. Now, as we walk into the boneyard, of course, this is probably the best kids' area. Um, we are seeing all sorts of fossils. Uh, right to the right, you can see some um, some of the digging that's being done, and a big uh, fossil is on the right. The old truck is stuck in sand. This corkboard sort of thing is actually designed to be uh, to look like sand and that is emphasized by the uh, truck that you could climb in on it's 
stuck in the sand. All around you'll see uh, fossils um, of uh, triceratops. Um, you know, this is obviously a very rich fossil area. Go to the back, you'll, uh, when you first walk in, and you will see some tracks. And as many of you probably know, they sometimes find dinosaur tracks in um, arid places. And this is supposed to be that. And if you step on them, sometimes they will make noise like that. I don't know if you've ever heard that. There's a good sign here where um, Jenny Walstein, one of the um, uh, interns, uh, is doing some work on tracks. You know, I'm not going to go through the whole sign here, but take a, take a look around and enjoy it. And then you can also see there's another, another dinosaur growl. There's also a bunch of caves in here where you, that you can go exploring. Um, sometimes the slides are working. If you go back in the caves, you can hear some of the pretend animal noises from the cave system. Um, they sound like dinosaurs. They actually sound like velociraptors. And it goes all the way around. You can see some of the excavation equipment that the interns are using are, are back here. Now, as we, I don't know if you can hear those sounds or not, <laughs> but as we go back, there's a door um, in the very back by a slide. Pull on that door and you can hear people complaining um, about you opening up the door. Uh, take a look all around you, all the different fossils. This is a fantastic use of education in a playground setting. Now we're moving over towards more of the slides area. And um, you can see a sign for a Tyrannosaurus rex. It's interesting to note that they actually have a picture of the way that they used to think the Tyrannosaurus rex stood, which was upright. And that's what they thought back in, the 19, in 1947 when they first uncovered these fossils. Um, but these Tyrannosaurus rex roam throughout the Americas, uh, including Florida. And it is the fossil here um, is similar to that that was found of Sue. Sue was the largest Tyrannosaurus Rex ever found, and they actually worked on it back here in 1998, uh, where Chester and Hester's is, um, which we'll get to in a little bit. There used to be the fossil excavation center, and they actually were working on the actual Sue. There's also a nice sign here from uh, Dr. Dunn, who was uh, in charge of the interns, and we'll get to him a little bit more later, too. And you can see some of the interns here, like Mark Rios is one of the inter interns. And uh, he um, thinks he's funny. Under diet, it's written meat, and then he puts lots of it sushi style, um, signifying, obviously, that T-Rexes eat animals raw. Some other notes um, from Dr. McGee. Uh, talking about when the T-Rex was first done, how they excavated it with dynamite. And then there's also Dr. Shirley Wu, um, who is giving the uh, interns some direction. There's actually a picture of some quote-unquote hard-working interns. Keep going back. You actually get to um, a ramp that leads to the um, dig site, the current dig site. And that is where kids get to dig around and uncover bones and stuff like that. Kids love that area. It's across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, I'm passing a nice, I think it's a, uh, a great sign here that talks about uh, the animal that's right to our right, the hardrosaur. And you can see they use like they do in um, the Pangani area. 
they use this use of chalkboards. Uh, this is obviously permanent, but it makes it seem like the interns were just being uh, taught today. And there is apparently a site geology lecture today at 7 a.m. And it goes through some of the things that they're going to go over. Um, Dr. Dunn also notes that he needs volunteers to do some research. But anyway, it goes through the strata, which you can actually identify in the, in the, along the walls itself. And that includes the different types, as you can see, the layers of a soil that were used in this area. The dinosaur right to my left that's kind of sticking out in the middle is a Pachycephalosaurus, which was a late Cretaceous animal. It was a, a plant eater, um, and it has that large crest on its head. I'm not sure if you can hear this either, but in the background, uh, they have uh, a radio station going. It is the intern's radio station, and they uh, use it for uh, playing various types of music, oftentimes things like uh, Walking the Dinosaur and other dino-related music. We're now leaving the boneyard. Now leaving the boneyard, and across the way, uh, right now it's being covered by a drink stand, so I can't get too close to it. But it's a billboard that has all sorts of like little, little information about um, the various uh, people who work at the Dino Institute, like Dr. Bernard Dunn, Dr. Shirley Wu. It actually also has a map of the old um, Dino Land area. It still calls it Countdown to Extinction, and it shows you where the Dinosaur Jubilee, which was a uh, museum-type exhibit of dinosaurs and the fossil preparation lab where you saw actual paleontologists working on bones. We're actually now heading to Restaurantosaurus. Uh, first, we're going to pass the American crocodile. Uh, this guy is huge. And in fact, when I was here for extra, extra magic hours, they had a night vision goggles so that you could see him. The American crocodile is only found in... Um, southern part of Florida and um, crocodiles are closely related to dinosaurs they actually do a much better job of regulating body temperature than many other other, other cold-blooded animals um, they're to the point where they're almost uh, warm-blooded and I could see him back here you can actually see the difference between an alligator and a crocodile is the teeth of the alligator fit neatly into sockets but, an, but a crocodile the teeth stick out I'm not sure if you want to get close enough to really uh, investigate whether or not uh, that's true. On the right-hand side is Dino Bite Snack. We're going to go into Restaurantosaurus in a second, but I am going to go over to another animal exhibit, which is right to the left of me and across, like also across the way, and it is of tortoises and storks. Of course, um, birds are related to dinosaurs. The birds um, are descendants of dinosaurs that uh, took to the trees and eventually grew feathers and started to fly. So that is why you have a stork exhibit here. The Abdon storks are uh, one of the smaller breeds of storks, but live in colonies with as many as 10,000 birds in one flock. They migrate from Africa to Central, uh, from, excuse me, from Southern Africa to Central Africa. Um, and it begins the rainy season in Northern Africa. Uh, so they are known in native folklore as rain bringers. And it has uh, helped them to uh, 
be protected in a region where rain is critical for human survival as people don't want to kill the quote-unquote rain bringers. Uh, they're also known as grasshopper bergs because they frequently jump on termite uh, mounds feasting on insects. We're now going to go into the old 1947 hunting lodge and that is uh, Restaurantosaurus. It has changed course over the time. Oh, before we get over there, the uh, exhibit also has Asian brown turtles. Um, and these are endangered thanks a lot to the fact that it was hunted for food and medicine. Now, let's move on over to Restaurantosaurus. Initially, this was the hunting lodge where people would come occasionally to um, you know, hunt and whatnot. Once fossils were discovered and um, paleontologists came here, this became the first dino institute. Once they built the much more modern, advanced dino institute across the way, this became uh, where the interns hung out. Um, it's a restaurant open to the public, as well as the intern's uh, home. Within it, you can see lots of signs of the uh, interns. They like to add Osaurus to a lot of things, including, for example, the sign outside where it used to just say restaurant. Now it says restaurant Osaurus. Even outside, you can see evidence of the interns. They have put lounge chairs up on top of the roof, and they've played a game of um, shooting arrows. Uh, which you could see at the water tower right to the left of me where I'm staring at the uh, um, restaurant of sorts itself. Now inside there, again, there are all sorts of um, tributes to the interns. You can look for uh, the various different rooms. You could see Clarence Wilkerson's photograph. He's the major benefactor of the Dino Institute. And um, you can also see uh, evidence or pictures from the fossil preparation lab uh, that are hung up there. There's actually even a picture of Walt himself um, in the early days when he was building the um, uh, rides in Disneyland using the uh, dinosaurs. They've added on to the Restaurantosaurus over the years and you can see it sort of has a feel of a hodgepodge kind of area. Dino Bites was added at one point. The Quinset uh, uh, van was added at one point. Um, and there is a uh, maintenance for vehicles, and you can see how they, you know, had fun creating dinosaurs, um, sculptures out of various um, vehicle parts. The, there's also um, an awards area where, you know, various different people have won awards. There's the hip joint, which uh, shows um, different... Uh, this is where the awards are, and you can see like the Zip Award, the Golden Trowel, the Airstream Award, etc., etc. Now, let's move to the Dino Institute itself. This was when Dr. Marsh took over the Dino Institute. She was hired to sort of bring the Dino Institute into the first century or to our century, excuse me. And she became, came on board in the 1970s when she purchased, shortly after she purchased the Chronotech, which is of course what we now use to go back in time to the late Cretaceous period and actually study dinosaurs in the wild as opposed to just fossils. They still do fossil work, as you know, over in the boneyard, but now the Institute itself has really um, taken to um, 
this going back in time to study things. Now, as you first enter the dinosaur area, and I still, of course, prefer to call it Countdown to Extinction, but be that as it may, to the right you'll see the um, statue of Sue. This is um, a replica of the T-Rex that was actually discovered in between the Field Museum in Chicago and the um, Disney's Animal Kingdom. They uncovered it, cleaned it up, and is now in exhibit at the Field Museum. This is a copy of Sue to the right. There's a dino, uh, there's a, a um, sign out in front of the Dino Institute that talks about uh, when it was dedicated. And that was April 22nd, 1978 was when the, the um, Dino Institute was dedicated. Of course, April 22nd is significant in that that is the anniversary of the Animal Kingdom. So the Dino Institute, by its conceit, um, existed 20 years before the opening of the Animal Kingdom. Now I am going to go, I'm not going to go actually in Dinosaur itself for Countdown to Extinction. But we have all been in there, and you see the various uh, fossils along the wall, as well as the uh, carnosaurus in the middle of it. Pay attention to Bill Nye, the science guy, as he talks to you uh, while you're waiting there. So let's go through the path to Chester and Hester's. Here, um, the first thing you notice on the right are signs for Styracosaurus, Carnotosaurus, and Allioramus. These are the dinosaurs you actually see on the ride. Uh, one of them is actually eating what looks like a crocodile. But as you walk down this path, this is very similar to the Cretaceous Trail, is that there are a lot of plants that are either as old as when the dinosaurs were or similar to them, broadleaf plants, numerous different kinds of ferns. Um, all located on this trail. This is also true for the Cretaceous Trail. And this leads us to Chester and Hester's. Um, you can see the sign, Welcome to our Dinosaur. Chester and Hester um, were the last holdouts of the area. When the Dino Institute came into existence, they started buying out all of the uh, property around the Dino Institute so that they can go digging. Chester and Hester, who owned a gas station uh, along Route 498, um, refused to sell. Instead, they started catering to the people who were coming to see the dinosaurs and eventually, as of 1978, coming to see the Dino Institute. And when the Dino Institute opened itself up to um, guests in 1998, um, they took advantage of it by having this store. Now in the store, and you can see outside the building, there's a lot of very kind of kitschy um, dinosaur kinds of things. It's very cartoony as opposed to uh, the Dino Institute that is more serious in nature. And you can see that Chester and Hester do their best to use everything they can to um, to move, to, to, I mean, they recycle everything, let me put it that way. For example, when you're coming in through the back, look to the left and you'll see two tires that they're being used as planters. Also, the dinosaur to the right for photo ops is very cartoony, and all the signs are very, as, I, as they say, very cartoony. There's a sign saying that there's uh, Ice Age air conditioning, for example. And they use all sorts of fossils and rocks for decoration all along the back wall. Inside, 
you could see many of the um, decor is that kind of old-fashioned dino related there's posters uh, along the walls of dinosaurs back from what they thought they looked like um, back in the 40s and 50s for example the t-rex is standing upright as are some of the other um, dinosaurs which we now know is not true there's some great old um, old decor here for example there's an old thermometer from that has a coca-cola signal on it all along the by the ceiling all sorts of old-fashioned dinosaur toys are hung up as decoration they used to have uh, comic books in here all of which were somehow related to dinosaurs like Batman fighting a dinosaur and whatnot as you move to the center of the room look to the left and you'll see a wall with a picture of an old couple. That is Chester and Hester, and they have some of, some of their more um, interesting decorations here. They have the first dollar bill that they ever made. There's a picture um, of them when they were much younger, um, opening up their store, their gas station. It used to be that this store all had mostly dinosaur-related uh, items. Now it's really just a standard Disney um, souvenir stand. We're going to move out now to Chester and Hester's. You can see there's you've got Highway 498 right in front of you. And there's actually old signs, old things used for uh, the gas station. Uh, they actually sold Sinclair oil, which was a um, it's an actual gas company. Um, now they're like, sort of limited to the West Coast. But they used a uh, brontosaurus as their symbol. And Sinclair Oil actually had uh, donated a lot to dinosaur research um, way back when. Now the road that is right in front of you, I mean, it looks like a highway. This is, it, it's made to look like cement, or as, excuse me, it's asphalt that you would use on an actual highway, but it's actually cement that they delicately cracked to make it look like asphalt. And this is Route 498 right in front of you and across from 498 uh, Chester and Hester bought some land and created Chester and Hester's Dinorama which of course many people hate because of its cartoony kitschy nature but um, it is extraordinarily well themed and it's supposed to be um, what a roadside attraction out west might actually look like Primeval World for example is a roller coaster that you would see typically in carnivals. This one, of course, is um, a sort of a homage to the Countdown to Extinction located nearby. You are actually going back in time. And it'll look at, if you look at the signs, it'll tell you that you're going back in time. There's some clocks that are going backwards. And as you get to the top, uh, you are going into the land of dinosaurs uh, for the first dip. Triceratops Spin, of course, is a spinny ride for little kids, although I do enjoy it. The fun thing about this is that, I mean, obviously there were flying dinosaurs. We talked about how they were related to birds. But Chester and Hester, in their infinite wisdom, knew that Triceratops were popular and well-known. So they have them flying instead of what you would think would be more realistic pterodactyls and, and the like. Um, then, there, of course, there are the various games that you can have. Up there comes Donald and Pluto, who, um, of course, have nothing to do with Chester and Hester, but, you know, 
breaking the theme is not that big of a deal anymore in Disneyland or Disney World. Um, we're actually going to exit now, uh, Chester and Hester's. Take some time and look at some of the signs around you. They're, they're kind of cute and funny. Um, you know, there's some pointing you to the rides not that you can't see them in front of your face. One of them is at one side sign says Rides of Extinction. You know, that's funny. Nowadays, there's a lot of um, Donald stuff hanging around. The last bit. Now we're going to walk into the Cretaceous Trail. When this park originally opened, it was basically just a walking trail, a short one, um, that showed plant life from um, the age of dinosaurs. Now it has kind of turned into a meet and greet uh, with Donald. There are statues of dinosaurs in there. There at the beginning, there's the Orinthomus, uh, I don't even know how you pronounce it, Orinthominus, which is a um, predator, predatory dinosaur that was very much like birds. It walked, um, if, you go, if you look at the feet and the claws, but particularly the feet look a lot like an ostrich foot. Next to that is the Corythorus, and that is where you, people can sit and enjoy. They've since kind of decorated them up, putting a scarf around them. And this is where Donald actually has his uh, meet and greet. Uh, but that big, giant, plant-eating, semi-aquatic dinosaur um, is a good photo op for kids. They've put in this, and again, you're going to see a lot of ferns, a lot of broadleaf plants that are quite common um, for the age of dinosaurs. All the way in the back, you have the... Um, Pachyrhinosaurus, and the name obviously comes from the fact that it has horns, there's two of them back here, horns that are similar to a rhinoceros. Um, these are related to Triceratops, and again, we're plant eaters. But back here now they do a Chippendale uh, meet and greet. And as we exit the Cretaceous Trail, that is the end of the tour. Um, you know, Enjoy the plant life. When there's not a meet and greet going on, it's very quiet back here. And it's a nice place to just sort of chill out. Um, I love the plants as they are, like I said, very indicative of plant life back in the age of dinosaurs. It's trying to take you back to that. Although now with the Donald meet and greets as well as the Donald music, it's really hard to get that old sense of peace and quiet uh, that you used to have, but that's okay. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining me with the tour at Guajarini. Sticking in the top